Hey, um, this morning I want to talk about uh, the, the, the blessings of the presence of God. Kind of around this thing of conviction, like that you're absolutely convinced that, uh, that you're blessed, uh, that life is good, that I'm fortunate that good things will happen associated with the presence of God in your life. And, um, and I don't know, maybe you're kind of new to church and you kind of wonder, what, what is this thing? Who, who wants to jump around and sing loud songs at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning? Like, what is this about? And people talk about their devotions and hearing from, like, what is all that about? Or maybe you've been at church forever, kind of, and it all gets a bit familiar and, and kind of you've heard it all before. Uh, and so for both of the, wherever you are this morning, I want to look at a, a particular passage in the Old Testament that talks about one person's conviction about how good the presence of God is. Because you see, back then, um, the, the presence of God dwelt in one building in the temple in Jerusalem. And so if you lived up in Galilee like where Jesus lived, once a year maybe you walked five days to get there, and for a day you got to enjoy being in the presence of God, and then you walked five days home again, and then you waited another year. So you gotta believe, if, if once a year, 10 days there and back for one day in the presence of God, you were pretty convinced about the blessings of the presence of God. And, and, and so today I hope that I just want to look at a passage of one person's a poem, a song that they wrote about what it was like to go on that journey and have a day in the presence of God and walk home and just do life for a year. And their thoughts about how blessed it is in the presence of God. And, and today, we don't, we don't go to a building for the presence of God. Um, I don't know if this machine's going to work. Guys, no? Can someone back there flick it up? Great. Um, today, uh, Paul says, you know, 1 Corinthians 3, you together are that temple. So we don't, we, we got to kind of got to apply this. This is not talking about going to a building. This is like every time we gather together with Christians. Like we don't wait for a year, walk five days, have a day there, walk five days home and wait another year. Like every time we get together on a Sunday morning, when we get together with our e-groups, it's like I get to step into this every week. And so I, I want to hear what this guy says about what it's like because it might lift my expectations about how blessed it is to be in the presence of God. But if you can flick up the next one, it's not only when we gather together, Paul's like three chapters later, don't you know that you actually yourself now are the temple of God? It's like, you get to step into this anytime. You don't, you don't get that, eh? Like 2,000 years ago, once a year, five days walk, I'm in the presence of God for a day. F walk five days home, wait another year. Now, 24-7, you can step into the presence of God. So it's like, oh man, I need, to, I need to hear what this guy said about how blessed it was in the presence of God because I need to kind of get a, a, a reawakened sense, a reawakened conviction of how good it is, how blessed it is to join with the people of God and God's presence, but also to know the presence of God in my own life. I need to be convinced about how good that is. So, so what I'm going to do is, if you flick out the next one, we're just going to go through the psalm, Psalm 84. If you've got a Bible, you might want to follow it along. And, uh, and the, the opening line is this, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord God Almighty. 
Now, there's a lot of things that you could say about the temple. And remember, it was a literal temple in Jerusalem. Flick up the next one. You know, later on, Jesus took his disciples to this temple. And when they came out, one of his disciples said, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. And it's like, you could go, man, this is so impressive. This is spectacular. This is, this is just awesome. But it's interesting, if you flick up the next one, you know that the first thing, we often rush over this verse, the first thing this guy wants to say is this. It's just lovely. It's just lovely in the presence of God. I'm not, it's not that it's magnificent. It's not that it's spectacular. It's just lovely. Beautiful things happen in the presence of God. Lovely things happen in the presence of God. Like I walk five days there, and, and it's not like, wow, this is spectacular. This is impressive. This is magnificent. It's like, it's just lovely here. Lovely things happen in the presence of God. I don't know, maybe that's not a word that, that you use a lot. I looked in all the different translations, see if there's any kind of wiggle room, but they're not. They all go, how lovely is your dwelling place? It's like, this is something. The first thing, this guy, and he's a guy, group of guys go, it's just lovely in God's presence. It's just lovely in God's presence. And I think, you know, uh, you know, who wasn't touched with the, ba- the little girl's dedication this morning? You know, we, we, we have a lot. We do the screens, the projection, the sound. We do lots of things. But, but, you don't, but you walk home going, that was just lovely. Beautiful things happen for families. Beautiful things happen for people in the presence of God. I've been doing, uh, the last few months, doing uh, some weekly seminars, uh, interdenominational ones in Christchurch, and, and a few weeks ago, we just, uh, with this group of people, just led them in a prayer, like just inviting God to kind of come and, and just touch their hearts, and if there's anything, you know, that they misunderstood, that they believed about God that wasn't true, like where did that come from, and God to heal it, and, and there was a woman there, um, God had actually woken me up in the middle of the night saying that he was going to do something for this woman around um, father issues. She's an Anglican vicar. And uh, as we prayed, uh, she, I got people to share, did God do anything? And she's like, you know, my dad left when I was young. I grew up as a responsible one. I'm the one that chased relationship with him. I'm the one that tried to look after. All my life I've been the responsible one. And do you know what? It's, it's kind of damaging my marriage. It's damaging my relationship with kids, my kids. It's just, uh, and, and, it, and when you prayed, God, God just spoke to me and he just showed me that I could be free. And I was always supposed to be just a little girl that the father loved on, not the little girl looking after the father. I was like, oh my goodness. And then another young woman put up her hand and, and she's like, I've, I've always had this fear of men and I, I couldn't kind of understand it. And when you prayed, this, this, pic, this image of this guy came to mind from when I was little and I, I don't know, but I suspect that he kind of sexually abused me in some ways. And and we prayed about it, and she just, she just felt this kind of uh, release uh, of, of this, this fear. And then, and then another young man who said, I've always felt like me and Jesus never really got at each other, and I've always felt kind of on the outside of people and groups. And, and, and when we were praying, I just saw Jesus standing in this group of people, and he came running out, and he grabbed me by the hand, and he pulled me in and so that I was belonged in there. And I was like, this, this was like a classroom seminar. And I was just like, like, I don't know how you describe that. Except God does beautiful things in people's lives in his presence. 
And the next week I was back there and I just felt the Holy Spirit just prompt me and go, just review what happened. So I said, anyone want to share what happened? The first woman, she's the Anglican vicar. She said, you know what, on Sunday I preached and at the end of the sermon there was total silence, like no one no one moved. And, and um, she's like, I, I, I spoke from a part of me that I'd never spoken before and people could tell something had shifted. And the second one, the, the young woman, she said, you know, I've always had that fear of men and we had this relationship with this boyfriend for quite a while, but I've been quite guarded and stuff. And, you know, after, after last week, I just felt that fear had gone. And this week he proposed to me and I was able to go, yes. And I was able to say, I was able to embrace relationship and intimacy in a way that I couldn't have a week ago. I was like... One moment in the presence of God. And he does lovely things in people's lives. He does beautiful things in people's lives. I don't know what other word you want to describe this. But for thousands of years, the testimony has been this. How lovely is your dwelling place. Beautiful things happen in one moment of an encounter with God. Beautiful things happen, lovely things happen in that moment. You know, if you flick up the next one, I look definitions, you know, attractive or beautiful, very good or likable, very pleasing. Next one, similar, very attractive, highly pleasing, inspiring, love or lovable. Maybe it's not the kind of word that you'd use so much around here. If you flick up the next one, I looked at these dictionaries. So if you describe something as lovely, you mean that it gives you pleasure, mainly British. So maybe this is more equipers sorry, you got, you know, like Oh, Mary, how lovely to see you. Is that, is that how you talk when you arrive at church and things? What a lovely surprise. What a lovely day. Is that, is that how you talk around here? No? Yeah, that's how Johnny talks. That's cool. Or the next one. Flick out the next one. You know, if you describe someone as lovely, you mean that they're friendly. Laura is a lovely young woman. She's a lovely child. Is that how you talk here? No. But, but it's kind of like, it's a word that embodies, it's just good. It's nice. It's Good things happen. And here's the thing. See, we just, if you know that psalm, we often skip over. Come on. This is, the, this is the first conviction. Lovely things happen in the presence of God. Beautiful things happen. Good things happen. You know, if you flick up the next one, it, um, it, this word is a word that comes up in Scripture. Paul talks about, you know, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praise, you think about such things. You know, you can be focused on a whole lot of damage stuff and hurt and anger, or you can think about the lovely things that God does in people's lives. And so I just want to know more of that. I want to be in that zone where people just go away. They just feel more whole. They just, they just feel restored. They feel alive. They feel affirmed. They feel good because God does good things. In people's lives. You know, if you flick up the next one, Paul talks about uh, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. That just means this is the effect of hanging out in the presence of God, is this. What's the effect of being around God, of being in His presence? Well, love and joy and peace. I don't know about you, but I want more of that in my life. That my relationships would be marked by love. And there would be joy in our home. And there would just be peace and wholeness in relationship. And Paul's like, that's that's the kind of thing. Do you know what? That's what God does. If you're touched by the presence of God, something shifts and you become a bit more loving, a bit more joyful, a bit more peaceful. He goes on, you know, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness. 
You become a kinder person, a better person. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul's going, that's the effect of being in the presence of God. I don't know how you describe that, but the psalmist would say, how lovely is your dwelling place. In a world that's tired and cynical and angry, how lovely is the dwelling place of God? How lovely is your presence? I'm convinced that your presence is lovely. You know, if you go on, um, the next one. uh, So he's like, this is the first thing he wants you to know about God. How lovely is your dwelling place? Next one. Another psalmist. That that wasn't David. This is David. You know, David is a tough guy. David chops off giants' heads with swords and carries them around. You know, David leads armies. And yet when he talks about the house of God, he just wants to hang out there. Why? I just want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Why is it lovely in God's presence? Because God is beautiful in his character, in his being. And when I'm in his presence, something of that rubs off on me. And my life and things start getting better. Because he's beautiful and he does lovely things. Look up the next, oh, 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 that's a bit ominous. Is it coming back? It's a good thing I got my phone, Simon, while I find it. Sorry. Hold on, I've just got on here. Okay, let me find it on here. Tell me when it comes back. Da, 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 da. So another part of the definition says this lovely is appealing to the emotions as well as the eye. And it's like, so it's not surprising that in the psalm he goes on to say this. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. And this this is what he says, verse 2. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. It's great to go away and think that the speaker was really funny or the music was really awesome or or I was really inspired. But that's probably not going to make you yearn to be back here next week. That's not, that's not going to make your soul ache to be in the presence of God. What's going what's to cause you and move your soul is God did something beautiful in your life. Or you saw God do something beautiful. This is all important, but it's just to create the environment for one moment of an encounter with God. Because that's when something lovely happens. Uh, it's interesting if you go on uh, in Psalm 84, verse 3 says this. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. It's interesting. Once you establish the most important thing about the dwelling place of God is that it's lovely, suddenly your perspective changes on what's important, eh? It's like, I don't know if you've ever had birds build a nest in the eaves of your house. Like it's cute for the first few seconds that you hear the chirping and then it's annoying and there's all bird crap down the walls and it's like, someone get rid of those flipping birds. Uh, but, and you think the spectacular temple that, um, that he, he said um, there's birds living, building nests in this place, but rather than going, oh, this is supposed to be squeaky clean, perfect. He's like, how cool is that? Even tiny little birds find a home in this place. See, his whole perspective's changed about what it's all about. It's not about being big and spectacular and impressive. It's about a lovely place where God does beautiful things. And, and, and so the image of sparrows and, and swallows building nests there. 
Uh, you know, in, in the Bible, sparrows represent the smallest, the most insignificant thing that you can think of. Matthew 10 says this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Luke 6, this is a good deal, are not five sparrows sold for two? So it's two for one, five for two. It's like, then worth nothing. And then Hosea says, they will come from Egypt trembling like sparrows. It's like, the sparrows are the most insignificant little thing that you can think of. And yet the writer goes, how cool that even the little people find a home in God. They're not shooed out. They're not, get it, no, no, we just want the big and the impressive. It's like, how, because God's dwelling place is lovely, little people find their place there. Little people find a home there. Um, a, a commentator, John Goldengay, says this about the psalm. I have a photograph of a pigeon sitting in the cleft. Awesome. Next one. <laughs> Next one. Next one. Okay. I have a photograph of a pigeon sitting. No, that doesn't work, does it? I have a pigeon, photograph of a pigeon sitting in a cleft of the stones of the temple wall. The psalmist feels like a bird able to make its home there. The bird might seem insignificant, the pilgrims feel insignificant, but they have a freedom to relax in the safety and privilege of the temple courts, the place where God lives. I wonder how many of you feel like you're big and important. I wonder how, but I wonder how many of us just feel, I'm just, I'm just a nobody. I'm just, I'm just one of the little people. No one knows me. And the, and the message of the psalmist is the little people are welcome here. In fact, one of the markers is the lovely things that happen to the little people that no one have noticed. The solo mom who just feels championed and encouraged to keep on going. The person struggling with the kind of mental health issues that just feels God supports them and there's people around them to champion them on. It's like, it's like how lovely is God's dwelling place because little people are welcome there. Little people, are, little people feel safe and celebrate it. You start to get it like flipping, how lovely is the dwelling place of God? This is what we're about. This is why we do this thing. Because beautiful things happen where God's presence comes and touches people's lives. If you flick up the next one, um, it's interesting in the way that Jewish writers write, they often put something at the start and the end of the section as like a bracket that frames it. And so verse one uh, was um, about uh, how lovely are you, the place where you dwell. And so verse four is his first conviction. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. If it's lovely where God dwells, my conviction is this, I'm blessed when I hang out in the place where God's hanging out. I'm blessed in the place where I'm in that environment where God is there. And, 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 and when I'm in there, I'm just going to find that because he's beautiful and he does lovely things. I'm just going to be responding in praise. I'm just going to go, God, you are good. God, you have done good things in my life. I just want to praise you. And so it's like, here's the first thing, that the, that the blessing of the dwelling place of God, because when you're in that place, you just want to thank God and praise God. So here, maybe you're new to church. Why do they sing all those songs? Because we can't help it in the presence of God. We just got to praise Him because He's been so good to us, because He's done beautiful things to us, because you're sitting next to little people whose lives were made beautiful from one touch of God. And that's why we got to praise him. That's why we got to celebrate. That's why we got to give thanks. 
but, but it's interesting, and I know this is a common theme around equippers, but you can wander into church and be a bit out of it, and, and then kind of after about 20 minutes, suddenly you kind of think, oh yeah, God's here, oh yeah, God's good, and, and your feelings catch up with the environment and you start to praise. But, but, but here's when we take it to the next level that we don't wait for our feelings to catch up. We lead out a conviction and well, we wait for our feelings to catch up with our conviction and we decide, I know, I'm convinced that I'm blessed in the dwelling place of God that I'm gonna pray. So I'm just gonna start praising and somehow I just don't praise in response to His presence, but somehow the decision to praise attracts His presence and I find myself in the zone where beautiful things happen. You know, and that's why if you flick up the next one where he goes on and says, you know, we, I choose to enter his courts with thanks. And I don't wait till I'm feeling it. I choose to step in there because somehow it, and, and it doesn't even matter that it's not about me. Because here, there's going to be some little person next to you that needs an encounter with God. So I want to be part of creating the environment where the presence of God comes so that someone has something beautiful happen in their life this morning. I'm all good, I'm all sweet, great. Next one. What about establishing a place where God's enthroned? Because when His presence is here, lovely things are going to happen for people. And so the next one, I'm going to choose... Next one, I'm going to choose to make a sacrifice of praise because I want lovely things to happen. I want people to go out of this place just saying something beautiful happened this morning in my life. How lovely is your dwelling place. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're forever praising you. That's my conviction. But if you go into the next one, it's interesting uh, that that section is his first conviction. But if you go into the next one, it's like, you know what? It's great over here where I'm in the place where God dwells and it's all wonderful. But remember the original context? This guy maybe had to walk five days to get there. And he's like, you know what? I'm blessed when I'm there. But, and and it, wasn't a, it wasn't a stroll through the park. This was kind of arid, wilderness, desert. Like, this was a major exercise to get there, right? It wasn't like, I'll just wander to church. A five-day walk through the wilderness, bandits, dry. It's like, you have to be pretty convinced that it's worth, that it's going to be amazing when I get here. But his point is this, like, I know when I'm there, I'm blessed. But here's his second conviction. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. It's like, do you know what? I'm blessed when I'm there and I'm in his presence uh, where he dwells and good things are happening and I'm just praising him. But I'm also convinced that I'm blessed when I'm just decided I'm going there. I'm not there yet, but I've set my heart on pilgrimage. I'm not there yet. Now it's great where parts of my life are lovely and I just get to praise him, but I bet all of us here can know there's parts of our lives that aren't lovely. And I, and I wanna tell you this, Blessed are you when you decide, I'm not going to camp here. I'm going to set my heart. I'm going to something better. There is something better here. I'm not going to turn back from here. I'm not going to give up here. I'm not going to camp here. I'm convinced that there is something better for me. And I'm convinced that God is not only going to be waiting for me when I've got it all together. God is going to give me the strength for the journey. And I'm going to be blessed as I find the strength to keep facing another day, moving towards the place where God does dwell in my life. Blessed am I when I dwell in His house. 
but blessed am I when I've set my heart on pilgrimage and I find a strength just to keep going another day. You know, this thing of strength is important. If you flick up the next one, Isaiah, you know, he gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. It's like, come on, we live in a world where it's not all lovely, is it? And some of you, life is hard. And it's like, you don't know how you're going to get through another day or another week. And I'm here to tell you today, the conviction of this guy, yeah, I'm blessed when I'm in the place where God dwells. Because I just get to praise him there and lovely things have happened. But I'm also blessed in the journey because I find that he just gives me strength to keep going, to keep going. If it ain't lovely yet, you haven't arrived yet. Keep going. If it ain't lovely yet, you're still on the way. If it ain't lovely yet, God ain't finished with you yet. But you can be blessed on the way because he can give you strength to keep going. You know, if you flick up the next one, um, so Paul often prays as I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. So it's like, yeah, today, hey, it's lovely in God's presence. We praise him. But if Paul was here, he'd be saying, do you know, I know there's people here today and you just need some strength to keep going. And I want to pray for you, Equipers Church, today. I want to pray for strength because I know you haven't arrived yet. I know there'll be some parts of your lives which are just lovely and you're just enjoying them, but I know there's other parts where you feel like you're on a long journey and you don't know if you can get there. And I want you to know today that God is able to strengthen you to keep going, to keep going, to keep going, to keep going. Come on, to keep going. God is able to strengthen you to keep going till it's lovely. You know, another one, uh, next one in Thessalonians, the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you. It's like, this is New Testament. Yeah, because you can go, oh, he's talking about it's all lovely. Man, doesn't he have a real life? It's like, yeah, part of life is lovely, but part of life is like, man, I just need some strength to keep going. And I'm blessed when I'm there and I'm blessed on the way because he gives me strength. Some of us want to be, think that him blessing us means he just waves his wand and changes the circumstances. No, his blessing is that he gives you strength. To keep going, to keep going, to keep going, to keep going. Come on, because there's something more. So you just got to keep going. If you'll set your heart on pilgrimage, if you won't give up, if you won't camp there, there's something better. But you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. And so he wants to give you strength to keep going. If you flick up the next one, you know, this verse, he says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Metaphorically, that's the valley of tears. It's like, on the journey, I said this was like a five-day journey through wilderness, through gully. He's like, he, he got, said, I got into this place where it was a deep, dark valley and dry, and I was sitting in the bottom of this place going, I can't go on, and I was just crying. Anyone been there? And he was like, do you know what? In that place, God gave me a drop of water. God opened a spring that strengthened me that revived my soul to get up and walk out of that valley and keep going. Because he's not there, I'm not there, that he ain't finished yet. And God can open springs of refreshing in places. I was preaching about this at a church in another place in the country just recently, and and a woman came up at the end of the service and she said, "Um, now I've just had a terrible week. Uh, We lost a baby this week. And I was saying, God, you've got to give me a word. And, And this verse came to her. As they pass through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. And then she came to church that morning, and I said, hey, today we're going to look at Psalm 84. 
And she just elbowed her husband and went, like, this is for us. How lovely is God that he would organize that? That someone would arrive from a different place in the country to speak on the psalm that she got the verse from for one of the worst weeks of her life. That's the God that we worship. He does lovely things. And it's like, God just wants to open a well for you this morning. If you're in a valley and you're not there yet, he wants to refresh your soul so you get up and you keep going. And you keep going. And you keep going. Look up the next one. Um, you know, Paul is like this. In Philippians, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever uh, the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any, any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Notice what he says. I can do all of this who gives me strength. He's like, uh, when I was poor, I found God's strength to keep going. When I, was he- when I had heaps, I found God's strength to manage that well. When I had nothing, I found God's strength when I had everything I found his strength. Whatever I've been, I've found God's strength. God's strength keeps me going because I've set my heart on pilgrimage. It's like when I was a poor student, I found God's strength. When I was unemployed, I found God's strength. When I got a job, I found God's strength. When I got made redundant, I found God's strength. When you got married, uh, when you felt alone, you found God's strength. When you got married and it was difficult, I found God's strength. With little kids, I found God's strength. With teenagers, I found God's strength. I found God's strength. I found that He opens wells of strength so that I can keep on going, because if it ain't lovely, I haven't arrived yet, and He wants to give you the strength to keep on going you know if you flick up the next one they go so this bracket they go from strength to strength that was my testimony I found a strength there I found a strength there I found God wants you whatever your circumstance this morning because he is a good good God he wants you to find strength to keep going till you arrive in that place where you go it's all lovely and I'll just praise him but until you get there, come on, he wants to give you strength to keep going. Flick up the next one. So um, this is kind of Paul's kind of thing, ever, you know, transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. It's like my life had this level of glory, and then I, I went into this dark time, and I found a strength, and something shifted for good, and I carry something of God's goodness that I wasn't doing before, and then I moved on, and something else happened, and I found a strength, and, and, my li- and I carry something of His glory that wasn't there before. Come on, your life is going from glory to glory if you'll determine in your heart, blessed are those whose strength is their God, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. I'm not turning back. I'm not camping here. There's something better yet. My life is going to carry something of the loveliness and glory of God. If I'll just keep going. You know, if you flick up the next one. So this section, middle section is bracketed by the, the theme of strength. So it's like over here I'm blessed where he dwells. So I just want to dwell there and I'll just be praising him. Over here I'm blessed when I'm on the journey because I'm going to find a strength and I'm going to go from strength to strength. And then it's like the psalmist goes, hold on, there's something. Go- when I'm in his presence, I'm blessed. When I'm on the way, I'm blessed because he turns up. There's a common factor here. It's not about my circumstances. It's about the presence of God in my circumstances. I'm blessed when I've arrived. I'm blessed when I'm on the way. I'm blessed when it's all together. I'm blessed when I'm still struggling. I'm blessed when I'm just enjoying the good things of God. I'm blessed when I'm not sure how I'm going to get through the next week. Either way, I'm blessed. Why? Not because of my circumstances, because of the presence of God. And so he turns his attention and he prays to God. So in the next, in the next part, 
Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor. He realizes it's not about my circumstances. It's that God's favor is on me. That's what I need. I'm favored over here where I'm standing in his presence. And he's dwelling there and I'm dwelling there. And we're just, I'm just praising him. But his favor is also comes to me in the valleys where his favor adds his weight in behind me and he opens some doors and one word just strengthens me to keep me going. And his favor, his favor looks like that and praise and his favor looks like this of strength. But it's his favor. Come on, this morning, you just need the favor of God on your life. And so he, he picks up, you know, the next one, um, this famous thing, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Um, I just think he's doing a big number, but one commentator says, what about if it's literal? What about a thousand days is like about three years? What about if he didn't get there every year? He got there once in every three years, and he's like, do you know what? This one day that I'm in the presence of God in Jerusalem is better than every other day for the last three years. But his point is, he gives a reason for that. Four, verse 11, four. Why is it better? For the Lord, it's not the environment, it's not the circumstances. Why? For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, the Lord bestows favor and honor. God, I'm blessed when I'm in your presence because I just dwell there and I praise you. I'm blessed when I'm on the journey because you're going to give me strength to keep going. Either way, God, I just, I'm blessed when I know your favor. I'm blessed that I know your favor. Because if you go on to the next one, Let me just do this. Maybe I can get the um, keyboarders to come back. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He's teaching in the synagogue. He comes home to Nazareth, uh, and he stands up, and he reads from the prophet Isaiah. And if you flick up the next one, many of you would know the passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay? When I'm poor, good news comes to me. When I'm a prisoner, God sets me free. When I'm blind and I can't see, God gives me sight. When I just feel weighed down, he sets me free. That's all the favor of God. But then he says this, if you flick up the next one, great dramatic kind of pause, Jesus. He sits down, they're all looking at him. And he just says this, today this is fulfilled. Today. Today. The most important thing you can know is that today... God's favor is on you. Today, God's, that's why you're going to be blessed when you dwell in his house, because you're going to be just basking in his favor. But you're also going to be blessed when you're in the valley, because his favor is going to help you keep going. Come on, he's going to give you strength. Come on, he's going to give you strength. Come on, he's going to give you strength. And so, and so if you flick up the next one, the, uh, the final verse of this third section that's about favor, the, the next one, the closing verse of the psalm is this. Flick up next one. Lord Almighty, this. I'm blessed when I dwell in your house because you're there and it's just wonderful and I praise you. I'm blessed when I set my heart on pilgrimage because you give me the strength that keeps going. Do you know what the common factor is? Actually, I'm blessed when I trust you. I'm blessed when I trust you. I trust you when it's all wonderful. I trust you when I don't know how I'm going to get through another day. I trust you. It's not a religion. I trust a person. I trust his character. I trust him. So if you flick up the next one, he, it, actually the psalm is based around three confessions, three blessings. 
Blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Ultimately this, blessed is the one that trusts you. Do you know what? My ch- I don't know about you, my challenge is this. Do I actually trust him? Do I actually trust him? Can I invite you to stand and... and one moment in the presence of God. If you want to just close your eyes or raise a hand or two. Here's the defining conviction of your life. Do you actually believe this? Blessed is the one who trusts in you. I actually trust you. I trust you for the good times. I trust you in the bad times. I trust you that when things are great, your presence is going to be there and we're just going to enjoy it. I trust you that when things aren't great, you're going to refresh my soul and give me strength to keep going. But I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, a person. I don't trust a religion. I don't trust principles. I don't trust rules. I believe there is a person behind this thing who is looking on me with favor. Come on, there is a person behind this thing who is beautiful. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. He's lovely. He is for good things in your life. Do you trust him with the marriage partner? Do you trust him with the failures you feel? Do you trust him with the sense of felt abandoned? Do you trust him to come in behind you and give you strength to keep going? I'm not there yet, but I'm going to a place that's lovely in my life. And on the way, he's going to strengthen me to keep going. Yeah.